0: 18 plus. Welcome to movies, films and flicks. I am Mark Hoffmeyer and joining me is a man who can't differentiate Resident Evil four five and six. It's John Levengood. <laughs> those movies those movies are all really kind of a blur if you haven't like watched them really recently. So one they go into the lab right? And then two she goes into the city. three she goes into the desert. four she oh in f- was Four retribution? Is that the boat or the prison? I th- Or oh, four is the tower. The tower, isn't four the tower? And then five when she's a dominatrix ninja, and she's. And the, then and six is when she's. Uh, and six is when she's like an ultraviolet ninja with all of her clones. Is there a seven one? Yeah, that was the most recent one, the final chapter. And then that one, she's just motorcycling around, and going to meet. Uh, like going to kind of like the super city headquarters. Where the Umbrella executives are still alive, and it turns out that she was a clone of one of them, and you see, like, little elderly Mila Jovovich. What? That was the last one, yeah. No. Yeah, so in the last one, she finds out that she is a clone of one of the Umbrella Corporation's executives, and that the uh, little girl, you know, the whatever it is, like, uh, the White Queen... Yeah. Was designed on the basis of a child that she lost. Oh, so, you, in brother. other words, like, there's <laughs> some – it gets really – like, they really try to bring it all together and, and really force together some puzzle pieces. So, which one's in the mall with all the different levels? The mall? Like, they're in a big area, like a compound. Oh, like the dome. The dome where oh, they go the to, like, dome. Moscow and Tokyo and yeah. all that. that That's the one where where – where she is the what I call the dominatrix ninja where she's in the leather with all those like like silvery brackets those chrome brackets I think that's retribution so which one is in an extinction the... is the desert wait where... what's the ship the second... what's the ship one the ship one is part of part uh, five or six it's five or six you know what's weird so I like the first one one. Six. Six. I like the first one the second one was okay. The third one had too many birds. And then four, five, and six, seven, they all com- just went super insane, and I loved them. But I have, Dude, you know I, what? I have no idea I, what they're about. I like those birds because crows, a group of crows is a murder of crows. So you had a murderous murder of zombie crows. Yeah. There's just so many of them. There's a lot of birds. And but, then, they, then she used her telekinesis fire, remember? Uh, <laughs> remember the bird in... 28 days later, that dropped the blood into Brendan Gleeson's eye. That bird was pure menace. So that one bird had more of an effect on me than all them birds. Well, I mean, especially when you have raging Gleeson in its wake. Man, imagine a prime raging, Gle- a Braveheart raging Gleeson. Dude. Well, I mean, that was that wasn't that well. I guess it was like 10 years later, but he was still like, you know, intimidatingly tough. Not that he's not a tough looking guy now, but like, that was like, what, 2000, 2000 2004? 2001, I think, 28 days later. Who remember that drop hit him and he's like, get away from me. And then like 15 seconds later, he's like, rawr, 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 and he's like trying to like, tear out his own eye almost. Like <laughs> He sounded like me after like a Four Loco at a corn concert. Rawr, 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 rawr. <laughs> <laughs> I was. All right. Those movies were a lot of fun to revisit, though, by the way. That was like last year I, that I revisited all of the Resident Evil movies. And I gotta tell you, I enjoy them a lot more. It's kind of, in a weird way, like an ill-plotted version of the Saw series. Like if you haven't seen a Saw movie in forever and you just throw in part four, five, or six, you have no idea what's going on. You don't have any idea why they're there or what the story connections are. But if you watch them in order and you know where it's picking up from and what it's leading to, it's okay. So in this, they keep giving you all these little clues that build up to the end. But if you haven't seen one of these movies in a couple of years and you watch it, you're just like, this is just a mindless action movie that doesn't matter. Oh, you need con- you, like, but see, if you watch sat down, and just watch Resident Evil Five, and that was it. You would be like, it would feel like a fever dream. Well, it, that's just it. Then it's then it's purely like that kind of bad movie entertainment, full of explosions and effects. And I'm not saying that the Resident Evil movies are worthy of reverence. It's just that there is more to extrapolate from them if you see them in in sequence in a timely manner. Gotcha. The only thing I remember about the last one is the guy from Monarch of the – no, uh, Downton Abbey. Downton, Downton Abbey running around mm-hmm. with a clone. <laughs> running around with a clone. Those movies were – oh. I guess I'm kind of relieved that they're over, but I'm glad that they kind of wrapped up their little storyline. I'll watch them all again in order in 10 years. <laughs> you want to hear something random? That's so, all we pot about. Ruby Rose was in the last Resident Evil that – can you believe that Resident Evil came out this year? Yeah, yeah, it was or early 2017. This year, right? Yeah, I guess we're 2018 now. But then she was right. also in Triple X3. She was in Pitch Perfect John, 3. John Wick 2. John Wick 2. And I think she was in something else. So she she's like the, the sequel. Well, not just that, but all that did, was everything that you just mentioned from 2017? Yeah. Because John Wick 2 was 2017. Yeah. Final chapter was 2017. Oh, Pitch Perfect 3 just. Yeah, it was yep. 2017. Yep, Christmas. It was in December. And you hear Did you something? see that? No. No. You want to hear something else? John Barenthal had five fresh movies this year. He was in five movies? Fresh movies. I'm surprised he was – that being in five movies, period, is a lot. Yeah, I mean he was in a movie in called a year. Shot Caller with Jamie Lannister – that um if you watch that and brawl in cellblock 99 holy crap it's like a a bloodbath extravaganza he's in brawl and cellblock 99 no john barenthal's in shock collar oh okay i got you you're just comparing them yeah i mean they're they're pretty much similar and then i'm trying to find the rotten tomatoes thing right now and then he was in baby driver yeah, yeah. he was very good in baby driver yes he was one of the bellas in pitch perfect 3 what? He was uh in Reza, he was in Triple X3. Oh wait, no, wait, that's, did, that's, that's, did you say that's he was a Do you see he was a Bella? Yeah, they added him. Like What? Yeah. They, they called him a bur- They called him a Berna. <laughs> I love it. John Berna. He was in Sweet Virginia, which is like a, ho- a horror film that I hear is really good. He was in Shot, of Shot Caller, which yeah. is very good. He was in Pilgrimage with Tom Holland. Then he was in... Oh, yeah! Oh, I can't believe... It. He was in Wind River, which is a very good film, and... He was scene, in half the movies of 2017. And the scene he's in, it's really good, and it doesn't go the way you think, and then he was in Baby Driver. He was, he was in like, a lot of stuff. Baby Driver! <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh yeah, so, you know, I just wanted to kind of drop that knowledge on you, man. How'd that feel? Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed, like... That's, that's a lot. He was in a lot of movies. You're smiling right now. Like, he was in a lot. I'm baffled. I'm I'm nonplussed. <laughs> anyway, uh, so before we get into the questions, I just got to tell you something. I watch Graham Norton all the time. I love that uh, talk show. And the cast of The Greatest Showman was on, and Zac Efron was on the couch, and Graham Norton always puts people on the spot. So there's a lot of improv. There's a lot of them kind of just dancing for Graham Norton. And he tried to put Zac Efron on the spot, and poor Efron just froze, man. He can't improvise. He just – So I was like, hey, man. So you and him – well, I'm sure he can improvise when he's not called to it. But remind you me of you when we uh, try to make you improv. Poor guy. I mean I'm sure that like a lot of the the Baywatch stuff was totally off the cuff, but that's a little different because you're having fun and you have a bass script. Yeah. But uh, that's, wow. Poor fella. Well, you know, at least he's pretty. And then one more thing. Oh <laughs> gosh, one more thing. One more thing before we get into it. So I got my degree in lit and literature. And, you know, I worked in bars. So I was like with a bunch of punks and all that kind of stuff. And when they heard that I had a lit degree, they're like, oh, fancy. They're like, oh, tell me, you know, quote some literature. And I would always go, I would prefer not to. And then they get all <laughs> pissed off at me. And they're like, come on, man. I'm like, I would prefer not to. But the whole time I was quoting Bartleby the Scrivener from Melville. So I was being super (laughs) pretentious. Nobody knew it. They thought I was being a dick. And I was ended up I kinda ended I was basically Bartleby. Because no one (laughs) knew what I was getting at. I was a bouncing Bartleby. You're the peaky blinder of FSU bar bouncers. (laughs) (laughs) And I would just keep it going. I would prefer not to. You're the cheeky bouncer. That was my shirt, too. <laughs> every, every 20 minutes, I every hour, I had a five-minute dance in the middle of the floor. <laughs> but the whole time, I would prefer not to. And they were just like, come on, man. Come on. I would prefer not to. But little did they know that I was quoting one of my favorite Herman Melville short stories. <laughs> the other day, I saw Flannery O'Connor, where she grew up. The misread, I don't know who that is. A good man is hard to find. I don't know. Gothic, Southern Gothic, crazy shit. No clue. Not a big reader. <laughs> I read a lot about movies. When you're at the grocery store, you read the tabloids. I, I will in, the, in, in when I'm in line. I'm got- like, oh my gosh, Kanye's having an expensive divorce. Yep, that's what I read a lot. <laughs> uh, spe- speaking of reading a lot, so over time we've been getting longer and longer and longer listener questions and some <laughs> listeners have started to like – Give us like caveats or like addenda or examples or started to answer the questions themselves, but then still asked us like. So we've had Neil has given us long ones. Uh, uh we've had a long heckling session with Alex Forkov. We had uh, Dylan's really long question that was of legendary heckling. <laughs> and so this time I got something so long that I am just calling this a mailbag submission. Ooh, it's ma- from. It's mailbag. from low. Mailbag. Mailbag submission. So Logan from Cleveland, Ohio writes... So we watched the awesomely cheesy monster flick Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, sometimes alternately titled Invasion of Astro Monster, and the less awesome Godzilla's Revenge, both last night. My favorite thing about Monster Island is that none of the creatures seem to ever spend any of their time on life-preserving functions, such as eating or sleeping, but rather they seem to be screeching, taunting, and body-slamming 24-7. I know the origin of the original Godzilla – but what's up with Monster Island as featured in the Godzilla Versus films? Are all the monsters there the product of radiation exposure? Was the island, uh, the site of nuclear tests or maybe a reactor meltdown? Some monsters like Godzilla and the giant praying mantis thing, I forget the creature's name, could conceivably be mutated real world animals. And then others like King G, is it Ghidorah? Yeah. Ghidorah, um a three-headed flying monster seems more mythical in origin. Maybe they're just all aliens or something like that that Godzilla fights. And on a related note, I've heard conflicting stories about scene and storylines with American actors being spliced into Godzilla movies for their American release to make them more palatable to U.S. audiences. Any idea if there's any truth to this? Thanks, Logan. I did. So oh. Logan, Logan just unloaded the actual longest written submission that we have ever received by two fold, by the way. But I will <laughs> say something though, Dirt <laughs> Dirtbag D from Melbourne, from Melbourne, Dylan. He asked a question, but he was very. He also put his thoughts into it, and it was very like I'm Dylan. This one was very <laughs> earnest, and this one's like, hey, I would love to know the answer to this, so I'll take mailbag submissions. This but you won't one. take Dylan? No, Dylan's great. <laughs> but Dylan's like, hey guys, so I just watched Citizen Kane, Lawrence of Arabia, The Godfather, Godfather Part 2, 400 blows. I watched all of Terrence Malick's films, okay? I bought all the Criterion films. And then I went and then I bought them on Blu-ray again. Then I watched Citizen Kane. Then I watched the top 10 films from each year going back to 1932. Watched all the Best Picture winners. What's your favorite movie starring The Rock? <laughs> I, I wish that that was actually submitted. <laughs> okay, okay. Right, so I did a so, lot. Of, I did a lot of research on this. Now, Ken, okay. um, uh, Ghidorah, Ghidorah. Please don't kill me with my pronunciation. And, and, um, what? He is an alien. He is a space alien. Megalon is an underground creature. Rodan, they're saying, is basically from the Soviet Union's nuclear testing. King Caesar is the guardian of a family or, like, a deity. And then on that island, like, Varon, Manda, Baragon, they are, if you look at them, like, a snake... And then you have different kinds of creatures, like a cat-type creature. They are radioactive mutated monsters. They have been created. Maybe they're from the Earth, but they're not aliens. But you go to Gigan, who's an alien cyborg, Mecha Godzilla, Space Godzilla, and Jet Jaguar. They're all from space. Who who made Mecha Godzilla? Uh, Mecha. <laughs> who's Mecha? Some bro. Mecha is Mecha. Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> That's some some guy. Like like is that, like was Mecha Godzilla? a Jaeger that aliens created or that the other kaiju created to fight the kaiju Godzilla who kept trying to fight their kaiju selves? I honestly don't know about Mechagodzilla, but I I know that they're from space. And so most, a lot of these are from space except for like the Monster Island things. Yeah, so like Varan, Manda, Baragon, Rodan, Mothra, King Caesar, uh, Megalon, my favorite, Anguura! that's my boy the little uh little guy with the tail and the spikes who jumps and then godzilla uses them to like whack people with his spike back so i watched very few of these movies but one that really sticks in my head was gamera that kind of turtle monster that that yeah. blew like nuclear exhaust out of its butt to propel itself yeah yeah that's like basically it. what it did yeah <laughs> that's all. Oh. So, I'll go was for it. that was that from monster island was that an alien do you know did you find yeah, it I, I would uh wait what was the same again a gamera oh g-a-m-e-r-a oh, I, know, I know gamera, little gamera. It, i think gamera had a silly song like gamera is really neat he is full of turtle meat we all love you gamera oh was, yeah, yeah 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 do you remember did i make that up that that exists right i couldn't have just made that up no he is uh because they had to sing a song he's full of turtle meat that's that was, like, the brilliant translation they came up with for for the English translation of whatever, Godzilla G- Godzilla Gamera. Didn't Gamera get his own movie later? Yeah, and they, they actually woke him up. So he was from Earth. And, like, uh, there's a giant spider that's in um, Destroy All Monsters. I didn't even know that.
1: Yeah, if the, I saw know. that, I
0: must have been 12. I have no recollection of that. And there's also Space Godzilla, <laughs> Megalon, that he's from uh, the ground. I mean... Yeah, it just depends where they're from. There's a Megagirus, Titanosaurus. You know, Titanosaurus. You know what annoyed me? So I was going online trying to find out how to say Angirus, and some jerk was like, It's the same way that I say Megagirus. Like, that was his that answer. Doesn't even, that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm like, You didn't help me. If you wrote out, How do I pronounce thought? Because of the O-U-G-H-T. And, like, it's like bought, but it starts with the T, And they write that. Like, how does that help anybody <laughs> ever? Uh, how do you pronounce thought? Well, it's pronounced like afterthought. But imagine that in spelling. But with after in front of it. <laughs> you just made this more difficult for me. <laughs> so i I couldn't help but to but to just giggle at the notion of, of of all these Kaiju, by the way. it's like if the if there are so many of these Kaiju on Monster Island, could Monster Island have been where the aliens first created their Pacific Rim rift, and Godzilla was just like a rogue Kaiju who turned out to be good, and he solved the problem and then fifty years later, they opened it up again when Godzilla was gone. Like because he was napping yeah. after fighting the Muto, Yeah. he was napping, and so like, like it's th- like that. Th- like Superman was dead, and so all the people attacked, and Godzilla was napping. So then they opened it up again. I'm telling you that's what that, think that's what's happening. I mean, it it, it makes total sense. So it, while we're you know, so Logan though he's a bio- he's an entomologist, yeah. right? Logan who submitted the question, and it, it amused me also as an entomologist that or biologist even that that he was saying, like, these things just seem to be standing there, like, body slamming 24-7. Like, and I I remember some of these scenes from, like, uh, TV show clips. It's like Godzilla is almost like a video game player on a stage, and as soon as he walks onto the scene where he can see a monster, it's just like like it was standing there waiting to fight, like a boss at the end of a level of, you know, Kung Fu Fighter or Ninja Gaiden or something. Like, it was just waiting there. I picture it more like, um, you know where wrestlers go to train? I feel like that's what the island's for. But, like, they're doing it all the time. They never eat or sleep. Godzilla never stumbles across a sleeping crab monster or a resting spider monster that's eating something that it caught. They're just sitting there waving their limbs in the air because the moment they saw him, they were ready to fight. Mm, Yeah, that's a good point. Like, they're never – they don't seem to have a natural ecology Anymore, They just sit there like mindlessly inserted like video game monsters. And it actually reminded me of the those ridiculously carnivorous scarab beetles in the 1999 mummy movie. Remember, they 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 moved. They opened a sarcophagus that had probably been sealed for a few thousand years and it just poured all these scarab beetles, these predacious skin eating Scarab beetles that apparently have had nothing to eat for thousands of years, but have been reproducing over and over again, and they're eating nothing. Eating each other constantly. But, but that doesn't make sense because the, the the you don't just like one human can't eat another human and for and go back and forth forever. Like you can't keep eating your offspring. There needs to be more. Well, they let like we eight, they let like eight out. You no, know, but one point they, they pour out though they pour out of a trap at some point. Remember, yeah. they're like thousands and they covered things. Listen, John, so, I, I got to tell you something. You know I I'm anal- upset they, about these scarabs. You know I analyze on a lot of movie scenes, man. But you got to leave the mummy mummy alone, man. <laughs> I love I love the mummy. I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking, saying I'm that that clearly we have to acknowledge that these are simply magical scarabs. Yeah, I mean they're like well I think these creatures are deities. I don't think they need to eat much. I just think they kind of dance and fight. But I think that you just touched on the best possible explanation. These creatures are like deities. Mm-hmm. They like don't need to eat or exist in the way that we think of an animal. Yeah. Only the King Kong movies really show him eating stuff. Right. I mean, so these things, like that crab monster, before Godzilla came along, that crab monster spent Hour after hour, day after week after month after year after decade, just standing in one spot, shaking its claws in the air until until a giant lizard came along for it to fight, like Jason Voorhees in the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Yeah, I mean he basically just sits there at the bottom of a lake, chained up until you know they resurrected him with electricity and then drowned him in three consecutive movies. Jesus. People just need to keep that thing away from electricity. Just embed that, embed him in concrete. I solved it. Done. <laughs> Movie over. <Yeah. laughs> Done. So, uh, you know, he asked this other part, and I just totally left this alone, because this struck me as right up your alley, but he was asking yes. something that really had an answer to it, like a real answer about that American releases with the, the the, the, the like, what is it? Some scenes with American actors just Splice, inserted. spliced in. So, like, they they dubbed Godzilla, but then on top of dubbing it, they totally swapped in some Americans. Yeah, Raymond Burr. He was in uh, several Godzilla films, and they just no. spliced him in. What a jerk. Yeah. And if you <laughs> watch the nineteen uh, Godzilla and when? 1998? Yeah. Yeah, right? Nin- 98 or ni- 97, 98? Matthew Broderick was spliced into that movie. <laughs> Did they splice Sarah Jessica Parker into it, too? Yep. Yeah. The only guy that was there was Jean Reno. It was actually a French production. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, no one can take this guy. We, we need to give him the soft the soft features of Matthew Broderick. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, Uh. Raymond Burr was spliced in. Well, Logan, there is your answer. It, it is they are deities and Raymond Burr. <laughs> That's right. A, can, a, can, are, a, a Canadian. And they're grumpy deities. They really just, as he put it, they seem to be screeching, taunting, and body slamming 24-7. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I would love to have just, I would love to be a jumper and just chill and watch these monsters fight all the time. You mean a Hayden Christensen jumper? Yeah. Not, <laughs> not a, not a third eye blind jumper. I thought you meant like at first, like a monster that's just like, like a giant grasshopper monster that just jumps. Ooh. That's what Angira did in the beginning. I'll bet that really gave Godzilla some trouble because he has like thick, stubby legs. He's not very adroit. I mean, I'll bet a hit and run tactic would go go really work really well against Godzilla. Well the only monster that ever mm-hmm. defeated Godzilla in three consecutive films was called Jogasaurus. Did you just make that up? That sounds <laughs> Yeah, it just, <laughs> just ran it just it just ran around Godzilla and Godzilla got dizzy and fell down. Jogasaurus. Mothra defeated him a few times, right? I mean Godzilla let Mothra. I think the first, like the first time Mothra was bad, right? And then after that, Mothra was always good. I yeah. remember that. And they got killed a few times. Mothra did. Or Mothra. And, and oh god, and that's right. And we had the question from Alex last week about why is Mothra's eggs are as big as Mothra. That's right. And also, <laughs> um, if you guys get a chance, watch Shin Godzilla. It came out, I believe, in 2016 in Japan. It is a very good Godzilla film. It's different. But it's very good. How would you liken it to the latest American-released Godzilla? Completely different. Completely different. Completely different. This one's just more about them dealing with Godzilla freezes, and then it's like the government trying to figure out the best plan to get rid of them. So it's like all these different agencies working together. It's interesting. And then this year, watch Colossal. It's not a monster movie, but it has monsters. And one of those monsters is Anne Hathaway scratching in a playground. Yes, right. Random, random awards. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. So, I uh, want to get into the topic. Yeah. Yeah. I think we we almost referenced it a little bit earlier. Did we? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. <laughs> the sequel to the 1995 Joe Johnston. Directed, the guy who did Captain America First Agenda, uh First Agenda, <coughs> First Avenger, <laughs> Rocketeer, October Sky, The Wolfman, Hidalgo, Honey, I've Shrunk the Kids. It was a really good adventure film. Lots of heart. David Allen Greer's Yelling at an Alligator. I mean, probably, uh I mean, I still love it. I probably haven't watched it since the 90s, but as a kid, I loved it. I felt it was dangerous, fun, great. And then now the sequel directed by Jake Kasdan, son of Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, yeah director of Empire Strikes Back. Hmm, hmm? Hmm? He also directed Orange County, Bad Teacher, Walk Hard. New, And he also produced New Girl Sex Tape, uh, Speechless Flesh Out the Boat. So he's really good, this guy who directed this, and I want to see what you think about this. Jake Kasdan is really good with kind of characters. He's not really good with set pieces, but he's good at getting comedic performances out of his performers. And I found out something interesting. He directed Orange County with Jack Black and Colin Hanks. Spoilers for Jumanji. And they're both featured in this film. Oh, yeah. What do you think about that? That was a lot of fun. I I, I like your comment especially, by the way, about how good he is with characters rather than – or over set <laughs> pieces. Because this new – well, first I mentioned the old Jumanji. The old Jumanji, I, I'm kind of afraid to watch again. And I, I thought about watching it again before we discussed this new one and then I decided against it because – I probably haven't seen it in so long that I'm worried it won't hold up well. Yeah, <laughs> and so and I, I'm still missing I'm still missing Robin Williams. So like I don't want to go back and not enjoy one of his movies before. So I'll save that for much farther in the future. Watching that again, but but so this new one though, it, yeah, the, the the characters were on point the characters were a blast and for that reason I, I i very strongly recommend this movie it's so much fun but the the storytelling like as a film this is drivel. you want to you give me like the 30 second breakdown of the film the 30 second breakdown of the film Whew, okay so um Jumanji has morphed, it has contemporized itself into a video game, which is encountered by a few kids in detention. Those kids end, end up choosing avatars, which do not at all befit their real life care, their real life selves, much to our amusement. And they are coaxed by the game to recover a weird jewel, arbitrarily shove it into a giant statue's eyepiece to save Jumanji, and all this had happened because some random bad guy played by Bobby Cannavelli had stolen it and become some sort of evil monster wizard and is going to chase them about. So they need to defeat Jumanji basically by circumventing all these wild animals that he controls and various traps, put the jewel back, yell Jumanji, and they can go home. That was good. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty on the spot. (laughs) Can I ask you a question? So I was writing down notes for this podcast, and I was thinking about the four teenagers, and I just wrote four shitheads. Well, like the one girl was really mean to a PE coach who was just being a nice teacher. She's like, oh, yeah. That PE coach. All right. So there's four characters. Uh, There is Beth, uh, Jack Black. Oh, there's okay. There's a Bethany. She's the cell phone addicted girl. There's Spencer, who is kind of the computer nerd. There is Martha, who is the girl geek, introverted geek, but who also has like a negative vibe towards people because she feels like that they're going to do that to her. And then there is, um, what's oh Man, I forgot the guy's name. Kevin Hart. I have his Franklin Moose Finbar. What was his name? Tank? Fridge. Fridge.
1: And then there's fridge. fridge,
0: But so Bethany. All right. So I'm going to go back to Martha. Martha is in PE and she doesn't feel like PE. And the PE coach is like, hey, you know, I'd love for you to join us. Like, you know, it's part of the class. It it gets your blood flowing. It's good for you. Exercise is nice. And she just argues with her. And then she insults her for being a PE coach, which I think And that gym coach might have given the best argument I've ever heard in for one person, say, in a couple sentences to justify the need for gym class in high school. And what's crazy too is this is a woman who's trying to get kids to exercise. So when you insult a PE coach, they're there to kind of get you out and to get you moving. They're like, Well, you know, it's funny is that the coach even, even made the point of, you know – to build some coordination, maybe try something new. You'll have to do that a lot in life. God forbid, cooperate with some other people, maybe even have fun. And she said that a little sarcastically because the girl was just so pessimistic. And, and God, yeah, it's like, I, my, you know, that gym coach, if she was there, she would have been my favorite of the four characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they weren't bad characters, but yeah, you're right. They all exhibited like some, Rather neg- not many redeeming qualities before they were in the game. And then you had Bethany who got in a detention because she refused to get off FaceTime when everyone else is taking a quiz. And Also being itchy to the teacher. Yeah, and, you know, I was a teacher for a long time. And I had to deal with cell phones. And I never had someone deal with me like that. Like there's no need for her to, to... – I didn't understand. And then there was um Fridge who was just having some kid cheat and he was being really mean to him. And then you had Spencer, who was just he was a little, you know. He was, he was little... the least despicable of the four before they entered the game. Yeah. And so I actually—I remember in the original with Kirsten Dunst and her brother, they were, I mean, they were kind of. They were, Privileged? Yeah. And, but, I don't know, you didn't dislike them. I understand you have to dislike a character and they have to have character traits that need to be fixed throughout the film. So you need to have, you know, at the end, they need to be better people. But can't you just have decent people becoming better people, or and not becoming like you know worse people becoming good people? Why why can't their character flaws simply be that they were introverted or shy or not confident in their own ability to learn and, and do schoolwork? However, you know yeah like why did they also have to specifically have negative traits rather than just being? humans with some human flaws versus human strengths yeah yeah well wow, we spent a lot of time on the kids well yeah and so this is all before they enter the game they all end up getting detention for various reasons the same day and in the basement of the school somehow they encounter the now video gamified jumanji which in the first moment of unity they all decide to play together and they start the game by choosing their <laughs> avatars and this is really the transition into the fun versions and likable versions of their characters. Um, I didn't really care for how they developed the scene of them choosing the avatars, but them realizing themselves in the game I thought was delightful. Yeah, and so I guess they, they all get dropped into Jumanji. The skinny kid, uh, Spencer, he's, he, he's like this little guy, but he becomes The Rock, Dr. Smolder, Bravestone. So I loved Smolder. him like I loved him establishing that he's like holy crap I'm the rock. And then uh Karen Gillan comes down. She's uh Martha, I'm sorry. Martha played by Karen Gillan, the the snooty girl at the uh the the well no, let's say the um like kind of introverted girl who strikes first cuz she thinks people won't like her. They establish that in the movie. She comes down, she becomes Ruby Roundhouse, just like a complete badass played by Karen Gillan who I love killer, who. Of yeah, killer of Men. Killer of Men. And then you have fridge comes down and he becomes kevin hart so where, where's where, where's the top two feet <laughs> and so he thinks he's Fra- franklin moose finbar but he's franklin mouse finbar and then jack black <laughs> and then bethany comes down the cell phone girl and she becomes jack black uh professor Shelley oberon oh my god he and it's such a wonderful job and just as she's figuring out oh so want to talk about their strengths and weaknesses real quick that are pretty funny oh yeah so like right. i mean they, They did do a very good job with the metagame aspect of this, by the way. So in the old Jumanji, they roll the dice, it's the flood thing, and then the flood takes over their neighborhood, right? And that was a cool introduction. Well, so in this, they basically learn that if they tap their chest, they it's almost like when you hit pause and are looking at your character's stats or something. And so, yeah, it'll show, like, The Rock has his strengths are courage strength courage reflexes climbing smoldering charisma and boomerang throwing and And what are weaknesses weaknesses were none (laughs) and then like kevin hart like his weakness was strength speed and cake (laughs) as i recall and he was a weapon valet (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah so it was that was that was really cute. And then you know, one of the others have their great like dance fighting and martial arts was Karen Gillen's one and with the weakness of Venom, which I thought was stupid. You knew but that was gonna but, come uh, into play later. Right, but I mean so they all and and then of course, you know, our, our totally self-interested uh you know, phone addict selfie queen turns into Jack Black whose strengths are cartography and things like in archeology. span And so she's suddenly regurgitating all this knowledge and can read. She's the only one who can read the map. And so it was, that was really interesting. Like seeing that their discovery and her weakness was endurance. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm a middle-aged Batman. <laughs> and dude, so this movie right now, um, this movie has done over $300 million. Good. And, as of Monday, it just overtook Star Wars as the number at the number one spot. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said.
1: Whoa. And
0: um, uh, also, just real quick, the actors were all first choice, and all the scenes were shot in Hawaii. There's like there's CGI, but the locations were real. But um, all right, so this is a PG- like this is a weird movie. I-, I guess what I was getting to, I saw it in the theater with a lot of kids, and there's a scene where Bethany, who's played by Jack Black, learns how to pee. And yeah, well, she learns she has a penis. I have a handle. It's like a handle. <laughs> she she's getting play by play instructions on how to pee outdoors with with a penis. Yeah, from Mouse Kevin Hart. And and then the other what is it? And then the Rock is always he keeps. Three times he brings up, like, an, and don't forget to aim. It's like, what, what happened to you? Like, like, why are you so concerned with aiming? What, what happened to you? And so, I mean, there, there's that, but then even later in the movie, there's reference to an erection. Oh, yeah, because, uh, because she hugged Jonas. a cute guy thing. Yeah. So it's like they, now I guess they did it tactfully enough that it wasn't overly provocative or, or, Questionable to kids, they might not really know what was happening, especially for the erection. Yeah, and but right. The thing I love though, when you were talking about the peen scene, it's not just the peen. It's just Kevin Hart in a little hat yelling at Jack Black, who's like, "I have a handle." It was, it's just, it was just funny watching those two together dealing with that. You know, obviously it's dialogue about peen, but it's just. I love the fact that there's a scene where Jack Black sprints past Kevin Hart. It's one of the, like, the hardest I've laughed on. Because his weakness is speed. <laughs> and But Jack Black can sprint. He just doesn't have endurance. But, yeah, well, while we're talking about that dynamic, can we talk about how we actually felt about the delivery of the characters? Yeah, sure. Actually, do you want to take a quick break? And then when we come back, we'll break down all the characters in the rest of the film? I'll allow it. Welcome back to movies, films, and flicks, John. I just watched yes, Mark. all the Resident Evil movies, all and, seven, all seven, and I have no idea what. I don't remember any of them. <laughs> they do play together a bit. Like <laughs> it was a, it got me in a weird place. Like, I, well, watching those movies, I mean. <sighs> It's a, it's a mix of, of, of guilty pleasure, occasionally good action, but mostly bad action and plots that don't seem to make sense. and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just kind of yeah I just I just lost track of time. I was in a windowless room. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wanna, in the words of La I'll get us I, I liked how you got us going into our listener questions earlier. That was very good you took the reins on that one i appreciate it so uh, every now and then we we need to wrangle each other a little bit (laughs) hog tie each other into a listener question or something all right so let's let's do it let's uh, knock out this listener question uh next question comes from um neil uh from greenville south carolina and neil asks if you were real rook from death note how would you kill someone that was put into the book? And I'm assuming he means you just wrote the name and didn't write how the person was intended to die. Wait, so we, like, it's just freestyle killing? Well, like, if you, well, if, yeah, you're the demon, and and whoever is the, uh, the death note holder writes someone's name but doesn't write out the specific way in which they die, how would you, the demon, manifest that death? Catapult. Like, wait, wait. Like, they just randomly get flung into the air. Yes. Like, they're just walking down the street. <gasps> the re- they're reading the news, and just a massive catapult flings them. So, a, a catapult, like, just appears as if they were standing on it that moment. Well, like, he builds a hill. The other people? All right. So think about sh- it. Catapult. Uh, think about it like this This guy walks to work every day, right? It's the guy that you want dead. Sure. And. Same way everywhere, way. like all the time. But then the guy—what's the guy's name in Death Note? I forgot it. Uh, Ryuk. Ryuk. R y u k. The you rook. Put some like s- put some signs up, and it's like, hey, take a left veer This way, construction. So you start walking up this little hill, right? There's like a, a round hill, and in the middle is a catapult. So it's a picture of a catapult in the middle, but you think you're walking up a hill. Step right up. They lead you perfectly on that thing. And so you're gonna mousetrap him? Yeah, <laughs> like in the like that old game mousetrap yes. that was all like really elaborate. Yep, yep. This a, so, a catapult, just, I mean, yeah, I would catapult somebody. So I don't know why, like, but my mind went to like this place of a mixture of of meanness and feistiness at the same time. Of course, we all know I watch a lot of brutal horror movies, so. I feel like I'd be the mean, twisted kind of death genie. And I would wait until the writer of the Death Note next saw the intended victim whose name was written. And then I would have that victim suffer like one of those super abrupt, shocking Allison Loman final scene and drag me to hell deaths were like your victim is looking at you as they are being dragged to hell through coals with their skin coming off. And Wow. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm – like, I figure that that would really te- – because Ryuk, remember, like, in – so I haven't seen the remake actually yet, but I saw um, the cartoon mm-hmm. ages ago, and I saw – all three live-action movies because they did a Death Note, a Death Note 2 and then L saved the world and L was the bad guy in part 2 who then became a good, but I saw that and in those movies, Ryuk wouldn't just introduce the new uh, notebook holder to the rules and and encourage them to write a name, he would actually go out of his way to encourage them to, and how how will they die? You know, and so he wanted you to do that for some cosmic or mystic reason. So when you don't do it, you're not playing his game the way he wants you to play it. Which is why I think that he would go that drag me to hell kind of meaner route that would almost punish you in in, in witnessing this horrific demise. Well, how about this? What about he shoots him on the catapult and it flies in that person's apartment? And like totally monkey paw kills the owner. <laughs> yeah, It goes like lands in his house. <laughs> this leaves like you know in the cartoons like the human shaped thing, just flies right, yeah, right through. through the wall. Yeah, it's... yep, just blasts <laughs> right through. This you know, and this just reminds me all the more that I really need to watch that new uh, that new Netflix original Death Note with and, and Willem Dafoe. Was a great choice for yeah. Ryuk because Willem Dafoe has like a very interesting look to him. And I'm not saying that he looks like that demon looked, but it's very appropriate that that match to CGI up like Willem Dafoe's face into that. So I, I really got to get to that. I, I, I heard some pleasant things about it. Most of the haters were really just hating that it wasn't like the Death Note they liked before. But from what I could infer, anyway, uh, yeah, I need to watch it. I just haven't had the time. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get back to it. We got a lot of lot of horror podding to do this year. You know what's a good movie that feature? Well, it's not a good movie, but features uh, good trebuchet work. Oh, good trebuchet work! Or is it Lord of the Rings Part Three the timeline? <laughs> I was thinking of that mutant like pale pinkish orc general. In uh, in the two yeah, tracks, no, yeah, no, Return he, the King. yeah, Return of the King, he's Return of the King, but no, but in timeline, if you play a tricky game, yeah, Paul Walker, Jarb Butler, Michael Sheen, Ethan Embry, uh, Billy Connolly, Francis Connor, oh, the guy from Swim Fan, right? No, the um, the woman from AI, and Jane Mansfield's car. Oh, you don't know? Yeah, yeah, don't put me on timeline spot, but yeah. 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 If you play a drinking game where every time they say trebuchet, like you're gonna get you're gonna get wasted. I mean you'll you'll be able to. Yeah, you'll well, you'll have a few. But if you <laughs> if you make them triples, you'll be done. I mean, there's really no reason in any movie for them to say trebuchet more than twice. Pull up the trebuchets, and even then they're just gonna say fire. Yep. They're not gonna say fire the catapult whatever they just point to you and say fire and i gotta tell you something if your general is saying pull up the trebuchets you're late <laughs> that's right yeah why is the general on the front line <laughs> yeah, they should be there and if they're not there i'm going back to catapults uh, they should it should be it should be trebuchets and drummer boys up front that's right trebuchets are why why would you use a trebuchet over a catapult more because because it well no no because um because it's slinging something it can be an oddly shaped object you can use randomly shaped debris so a- as the catapult is knocking down pieces of wall trebuchet could be used to launch an even bigger piece of wall than the catapult could fire in the first place or dead cows or dead cows but that was just it the trebuchet is meant to be more the improvised item. Oh, I meant to say alive cows because that's what happened in Monty Python. Mmm, poor thing. <laughs> Wait, man, I, I hate that. I now I know the difference between trebuchets and uh, catapults. Well, I mean that's that's a difference, right? But the th- again, the thing is that you can just haul out a trebuchet, and as you are laying siege to something, now granted that implies the siege started, but you can launch things that you wouldn't normally launch. You could, you could. Put in a trebuchet like a bundle of logs and light them on fire so when the law lo- and if the logs are covered in tar and lit on fire and bundled together, when they hit the wall, the it, the bundle will break, you know, and spread fire across a lot of things. So you can do different things with a trebuchet that you can't do as easily with a catapult, because you just rest something in the catapult and then it launches. Gotcha. Gotcha. You can shoot dead bodies much more efficiently with the trebuchet if you just want to mock. That's what they did, and yeah, just just fill it up. If I if I had an army of Highlanders, I would shoot them in a trebuchet. And of- but now now you have to be curious about the actual historical reason. I wonder if it was just like a different access to engineering uh, yeah. knowledge or different different tools uh, to because a, a catapult you pull down and lock in place a trebuchet gets slung in a different manner. Like it might've just been different innovations from different civilizations yep. as well. And then later after warring groups met that you had people who then had learned and had both. I'm still amazed that William Shakespeare and Romeo and Juliet named the two families, the trebuchets and catapult. <laughs> you know the, all right. So you know how they came up with marathons. You know where catapult comes from? There's a really strong dude. Who, they would just have him throw rocks. It was a dude named catapult? Yeah, he would just throw rocks. He sounds like he sounds like a lesser known X Man. Yeah, and then they went <laughs> they went out of work when arrows came into play. <laughs> They're like send up the catapults, it's just dudes throwing rocks. <laughs> yeah. Poor dude. Well, thanks Neil for that question. By the way, <laughs> Neil is is on Twitter and he has a great name. It's uh. Remember in uh, National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation when the kid like lied about his age to go to the casinos and he won all the cars and he was known by all the pit bosses and they say, "Mr. Papa Giorgio, welcome." <laughs> so my my buddy Neil on Twitter is at Papa G seventy six. Nice. And, <laughs> and you know that's Ethan Embry, right? And he was also in Timeline and Dennis yeah, Candy. True. Oh, he was in Timeline too. Yeah. Jeez. Where, where name was in Timeline. we name dropping Ethan Embry. Like, Mr. Papa Giorgio, welcome. <laughs> and they go to that casino where it's like guess the number between one and ten and rock paper scissors. <laughs> All right, back, oh, back to Jumanji. So the so the characters though, right? Oh. The the way. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The way that. Uh, we see we've just met the characters. We've learned their powers. We've seen a few funny scenes with them. You know, the Jack Black, The Rock, Karen Gillen and, and Kevin Hart. But it's really interesting to me what I will call the writing and directing and acting inconsistency between the characters that these actors are playing and the characters that they are representing, because The Rock seems to occasionally embrace that he's not confident and that he hasn't always been the rock. But a lot of the time he also behaves as the rock and it's kind of like a switch on and off. And he doesn't seem to embrace the characteristics of the kid acting wise. But then like Kevin Hart is purely playing himself. He's entirely playing himself. You want to know something interesting? They shot their scenes before the kids shot their scenes. So they just kind of did what they wanted and the kids had to, so none of it matches because they had nothing to really go off of. Well, Jack Black is spot on because yeah, Jack Bethany. Black is actively acting the role of a self-involved girl. Yeah. No, he was great. You know, you know what I mean? So like – and he did oh – boy, Jack – I've always liked Jack Black. I don't like several of his movies, but I, I think that he's always been a very – like from the heart kind of actor, even though he's silly, I think he's wonderful. And in this, I feel like he, not the rock, he was the show stealer for me. Oh yeah. The way that, the way that he, he played that. Cause I never had to remind myself which character, uh, Jack Black was playing. Whereas the other ones, I, you know, it's like, I didn't necessarily need a reminder cause I forgot, but I got lost in Kevin Hart. Simply being Kevin Hart as if he was doing stand-up comedy and The Rock pretty much being The Rock going through the lines as if it was written for him, but he was a little less confident, you know? So it was interesting. Karen Gillen did. She was the middle ground. She did a good job being the insecure, geeky, uh, kind of apprehensive character that Martha is, uh, before they went in the game. So it was a weird spectrum of this. Quick question. I watched this with Megan and she, we were talking about it later on and do you remember anything that Karen Gillan said? She had that really funny scene where there's a scene where she has to go up to some guards and, and flirt and flirt with them but she's she's never done it before so Jack Black teaches her how to flirt which is hilarious. But I don't remember any of her lines. She didn't really say much. Honestly, the only lines I remember are because they were they were flag posting what was going to happen. Get up there. I'll get the gem to you. You know, oh, things yeah, that yeah. Things that aren't character moments—they're just announcing to the audience that something is going to happen. But I actually—I I, I get your point very well received. Like, she didn't have any sets of lines that were really like show stealing or, or very laughable in once she was in the game, but everyone else did. Which but she had she had some physical humor though. Yeah. Oh no, she was good. But in Doctor Who, she just talked a lot. And so she's capable of delivering the dialogue. They didn't just hire her because she's, you know, a a pretty face. She was a first pick for this. So I'm kind of surprised she didn't have more. And it's funny, too, because you see her recently doing, um, why can't I think the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? Yeah, yeah, Nebula. Yeah, it's Nebula. I couldn't think of that name. Uh, I I like her in everything she's done. Yeah, no, it's good. And I I think she's good in this. And I was really happy seeing her in, like, a, a massive film. But I just didn't remember. But if you think about it, you're on set with Jack Black playing a 16-year-old girl, The Rock, and Kevin Hart, and it's pretty easy to be overshadowed. I don't think that's a mark on you, but those are some strong personalities to be on the screen together. Well, you know, honestly, with The Rock, most of the stuff I remember is also more physical acting, like him I- admiring his own chest or the size of his arms. Yeah, Look at the size of these things. You know, it was it was very rarely in line delivery itself that I enjoyed the rock in this. It was more just seeing the rock in action scenes and then seeing him, you know, having fun with the body that they had. Um, but yeah, Karen, Karen Gillian again, she had an odd role for that, but Kevin Hart and Jack Black, they were just, pfft. I had, and I criticize a little bit about the character continuity between the actors when they're in the game versus in reality. But I, I had a. The characters are what made this work. Yeah, despite that, that's that criticism, what the dir- that's what the director's good at. Yeah, they were so likable. Yeah, and then um, all right. So, so I got a, I got a couple other things. So each characters, I want almost see what you think about this. They get three lives. So if they die three times, they're dead. So they have a bar on their wrist. They had three bars and two bars, one bar. But there's a scene where, well, I'm just gonna say Kevin Hart gets annoyed at the rock. And Kevin Hart I was going to bring this up. I Kevin just... <laughs> Hart pushes the rock off a cliff. That's like that's kind of crazy. That's not a like a normal thing. He knows that there's lives that could be lost and he wastes one of them just because he's feeling sassy. Well, so like there're two sides to this, right? That now, and they were in the heat of an argument, and in the heat of an argument he chose to push him. Yes, they know there's multiple lives, right? But by this time they do He does know that he's not actually killing him when he pushes him off. But here's the other side. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Okay. Sorry. Here's the other side. (laughs) I was was listening. I was listening. And and the other side is that if you are the one getting pushed off, when you are faced with something that normally causes death – it is traumatizing, it is terrifying, it is horrifying. It's something that you don't just shake off when you realize that it was just a dream or you're alive again. Like that was, so that's a horrible thing to do to someone else, even though it didn't have a horrible result. And then I have to come back to Kevin Hart's character again and say, wait a minute, is that malevolent? Even though you knew that he'd be okay to put him through that? Yeah, I think it was. I don't think they thought about it, but I was like, that's a really mean thing to do. I don't know, because the Fridge fridge character didn't seem like he would do that in real life. He was a jerk, but I would never push somebody off of a cliff, even though I knew they could come back. (laughs) Like, think of it this way. If you're about to jump 30 feet from, like, you know, some North Carolina mountain crag into a lake, and it's just something that people do, you know it's... You know, people are doing it. You know, it's not like it's only three feet deep and you're going to die, right? But if you weren't looking and a friend of yours pushed you, that's terrifying. Oh, yeah. Right? You yeah. see what I mean? And that's terrifying, even though as you're falling, you, you might, you know, know that you're going to be fine. But as that's happening, that's terrifying. Yeah. Like, now, it, now, just imagine that you fall so far that you have four seconds to process it before you hit. Like that's that's horrible. <laughs> no, I agree. That was like it was that was jarring. I was questioning the what they, who they thought the audience was when that happened. And then, what do you think about just the the motorcycle guys? I I don't think total throwaways, total, total, total nonsense, total, total throwaways, so the, garbage. I want I, But I read something by the director, which I think sums it up. He wrote. I feel like if it's a movie that endeavors to be exciting and fun and funny and sort of touching, I feel if we can finish it up right, it can be all those things. I'm just thrilled with what the actors brought to it. It's a movie that is entirely dependent on these four central performances. It, well, it is dependent on him because he didn't bring anything else to the table. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that, that's pretty. Like it sounded like he had no interest in the action or anything. It was just well, charisma. You think... Do you think that he might have said this after he saw the finished product and realized that all the other things he tried to do didn't work? Yeah, maybe. Like, this might have been a a very tactful damage control statement. Yeah, because, I mean, were you ever... I don't think there's ever any excitement. But I had a smile on my face the whole time, and I left with a smile. And obviously, audiences are loving it based on the charisma of the four characters. So it's pretty interesting how four people can carry a script that... Doesn't have many great action scenes. The CGI probably isn't too great. It just looks like every, you love everyone on screen. The scenes look good. The individual effects look terrible. The CGI snakes looked terrible. Yeah. Uh, the CGI rhinos were passable at a glance stampeding, but when you really see them, more bad. The elephant was horrible. The jaguars were passable when they weren't doing much, and they got a little old. But yeah, I. I but the th- like the. These are, a lot of these things, though. It's Nit, like nitpicks. it's like right. they they tried to do too many different things and didn't seem to put enough attention to any one thing as a result. Yeah. Like on top of that, why? Like so, uh, Killer of Men, Karen Gillan's uh, you know character, the the avatar she's playing. Its its weakness is venom, but in the game, if you got bitten by a venomous snake, you'd die anyway. <laughs> And then when she goes into a field of snakes, they aren't even recoiling to prepare to bite at her until a bad guy who controls them gets them to attention. Yeah. And why, if he wanted the gem that she just picked up, wouldn't he just have them bite her so he could go pick up that gem? Didn't he, didn't, isn't that what happened Then she came back with the gem? Well, no, but she knew she knew that she was going to come back, but why didn't he just do that right away? Why, why are they talking? Why are they having a conversation? Why is he saying, give it to me? Oh, yeah. She stepped on a snake to make it bite her, because uh... that was part of her plan. So, and, and that even brings me further to, well, that, this is just a silly movie moment. She knew exactly where she'd fall, and exactly with what timing for that to work for The Rock, to put the gem in. But let's look at this bad guy, though. If you completely remove the bad guy... From this movie, it doesn't change the movie. No, not at all. They could still have weird challenges and time frames and this, that, and the other before something bad happens, like a flood or whatever. You know, like Bobby Cannavelli had no business being here. And why was he regurgitating scorpions onto people's heads? I did love the villain in the first Jumanji. <laughs> he was awesome. Yeah. I don't even remember, to be honest. I haven't seen it since high uh, school. He was just Ooh, a hun- He was just a hunter. He was just like a drunken oh, human. Oh yeah. right, I do vaguely remember. Yeah, There's menace to that guy though. Yeah, like, but this Bobby Cannavale oh, yeah. thing, like, I was like, is he is he like a zombie? Is he a sorcerer now? He's got like a giant centipede crawling out of his ear and up his nose into his head. What? Like, what what is this? Why didn't he just have people waiting around the jaguar's head? Well, it's, but see, I want to. I want well, If you were thirteen and you watched this movie. Like we were, I was, I was, I was watching Pulp Fiction at the time, but I was also watching everything else. But I think I would have loved this when I was like thirteen. Look, I mean, I love it now. Yeah, it's just, uh, um, uh, it's just that now, and we are in the very much the habit of of, of <laughs> almost almost passively in our subconscious breaking down a movie as we watch it. Yeah, but but I mean, th- there's just so much stuff in this movie that's me. All those motorcyclists trying to pull a Mad Max Fury Road, throwing. Missile launchers at our character, yeah. It's all. It was all very, very throwaway to me. All those things and the bizarre scene and the this, that, and the other. It was all character interactions. But again, I, I agree with you. While I wasn't impressed or disliked all those little individual things, I loved the movie the whole way through. I was always smiling. It is the characters that make this work, and the characters are there basically the whole time um boy speaking of character interactions by the way uh best kiss of 2017 oh jack black and nick jonas no 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 the rock and and karen gillen oh yeah (laughs) yeah that was yeah that, that uh yeah that was good they went for that Oh, my – Like, and I was really thinking it's like – because the whole time when I knew they had a thing and now they're in the game, I'm like, well, The Rock is like 44, and he, so he's almost 20 years older than Karen. It really wouldn't – I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's like, ah oh, this doesn't feel right. And The Rock is always playing more – you know, he doesn't have those scenes. No, he doesn't. He's kind of uh, – right. if you think about the Fast movies and all those, and he's kind of like asexual in movies. Well, I mean he's got – smolder if you will it's just that they don't give him the sex scenes or the make out scenes or the romance roles and and in this like i was just watching kind of dreading it and so when they moved up and they were going to do the kiss i was like this isn't going to feel right he just looks like he could be her dad (laughs) i mean again whatever there are 20 year gaps in couples fine but still it's like and so but then the way they executed i was like oh my god I was so wrong to have doubted you like that's that that super they must have just delighted in the awkwardness of that kiss <laughs> yeah that was fun dude I yeah that was oh. I, I didn't see that coming but uh it just I do one thing I was thinking about the rock this is Jumanji welcome to the jungle and then the rundown where he's in the jungle right he does pretty well in jungles you know, even though – so they were originally going to call the rundown Hell Dorado, but I could have totally seen them calling that movie Welcome to the Jungle as well. That was. That was the uh, – that was what they called it in England. Uh, the UK. I apologize. It was Hell welcome, Dorado? No, Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, really? Yeah. OK. Interesting. So, so he hasn't had many fresh films. He – like the fast movies, but I don't consider those rock movies. So the only rock movies that are really fresh are Central Intelligence – Hercules is 61%. Ugh, I didn't like that one. Uh, like, uh, he's in other guys, but that's not a rock movie. So the, the only really certified fresh rock movies are Rundown. And pain and Gain? Central Intelligence. Nope, not Pain and Gain. <gasps> but Pain and... He was grilling hands! And yeah. the Lord gave him a gift for knocking people the... Uh, out! <laughs> 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 A, I love that movie. That was the movie that made him the bigger fit, the physically more menacing rock that he has been since then. Yeah. He put right. on like 20 or 30 pounds for pain and gain. Well, he really only was like 20 pounds heavier, but he put, but he was also uh lower body fat. I liked, I like the rundown rock. I like rundown rock more than I like fast rock. Cause I think rundown rock tried more. Than fast rock, fast. You don't think he tried in fat in the fast movies? Well, he's just a very. He doesn't do much. He just kind of spouts lines. Is never on screen with Vin Diesel and looks cool. Like he's he's not trying. Like he's acting. He's doing There's a great job. He's acting. He's, he's acting tough. But the rundown, he was. He he's a chef. He was kind of. You know, he was hesitant about things, but now he's just kind of like this. Arnold from Commando. I mean, still great. Oh know? no, no, that, you know what? That's fair. Uh, fewer dimensions. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, you know, me, man, I love the fast movies. I'm, I'm all, I'm all in. Like I, if I had two twos, I'd be, I'm be all in. You're, you lost <laughs> everything. Cause you know, but I'm all in on these movies, but I, I just liked him in the rundown. I thought, I don't know. I like that better than he. Yeah. That, that that That's very fair. I actually just watched that again. Actually. I watched it like one and a half times in the last two weeks on HBO because I love those movies a lot. You know what's funny is looking back at him in that and saying, one, you look small. And two, why do you have hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm no longer used to seeing him with hair. And and he just seems so petite. Yeah, you, when you go back to those old clips with him with hair, you're like, what? Yeah, He's small and has hair. But no, I love that. I love that movie too. And, and, you know, you, you had made an observation about his sequel movie patterns, didn't you? Yeah, like, all right, so none of his original films have had sequels, but they have. if you combine them all together, they have a higher Rotten Tomato average than all of his sequels. But all of his sequels that he's done, only one of his sequels has had a sequel. So he's the king of sequels, but he was in Fast Five, and then that went to Fast Six. But none of his other sequels have had sequels. G.I. Joe Retaliation, Journey 2... Those kind of movies have not had sequels. He was in... They they haven't had sequels with him in it, you mean. Yeah, exactly. So there's no Journey 3 kind of stuff like that. So all the sequels or remakes like Baywatch, that's not going to have a sequel. But Fast 5 went to Fast 6. But Tooth Fairy, Race to Witch Mountain, all of, like, Get Smart. Well, he died in that one. Spoiler. Uh, Game Plan, Doom... Like, and even all of his adaptations, like his remake, Walking Tall. So, he was in The Scorpion King, but that was very... That was at... Or, he was in Mummy Returns. But then, that was at the very end, only to put him in a prequel. So, I don't really consider that. But it's pretty interesting that he's the king of sequels, but he's only had... One of his sequels have had a sequel. And then none and, of... His... And, well, he is going to have San Andreas 2. Yeah. And then... Jeez Louise. And then none of his remakes... Or none of his original films have had a sequel. So, none of his original films, have had a, sequel. So his original films have a sequel. And then none of his remakes adaptations sequels have had sequels except for the mummy return except for the scorpion king sequel which in turn had a prequel which had another prequel which had another prequel that actually checks out he wrote about that on the website folks look it up uh, <laughs> it sounds like he was stroking out and speaking and babbling but that everything he said was accurate just then <laughs> but yeah so he i don't know it's just a weird how, where do you think this is going to go? I mean, this movie is probably going to make $400 million on a $90 million budget. You can't bring them back. So would you just take, this is too profitable to not do something, right? You mean for them to not do a sequel? I think that if they do a sequel, it will be that they, you know, there's some reason that they need to decide on purpose to go back into the game to do something to save someone, maybe the game was trying to get them back, and it sucked someone in that they had to save. I, I mean, they can do it, and, and it we'll roll our eyes. But if they get that cast, we're gonna go love it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they're gonna do it, but uh, I don't. Know, fi- final thoughts about Jumanji? Would you? Would you think? Would you recommend it? I would. Tell you that I am recommending a terrible film that is a wonderfully enjoyable movie, and that you should go see it as soon as possible. Yeah, it just it just it was fun. I left with a big smile on my face, and I'm still laughing about Jack Black running past Kevin Hart and all that kind of. I, I loved it. it was, I had a lot of fun. I've been watching. I've been watching the press too, and that's like a lot of fun watching all those guys. And Karen Gillan did a really good interview with. Empire magazine, where she's really funny. And if you look up clips of Kevin Hart and The Rock and Jack Black on Graham Norton, they're hilarious together. So uh, do that. Yeah, it, I also really did appreciate that this was what I'll call a more true ensemble movie because the Fast movies, like they're big ensembles, but at the end of the day, it's a Vin Diesel movie because he gets the most hero moments. Oh yeah, and yeah. It, like in this, like this did not feel like a. Dwayne Johnson movie this felt like like I really loved a lot of all their scenes Jack Black stood out the most to me for the acting Kevin Hart drew the most ridiculous laughs the rock is there for you know the, the classic heroism and size and his the rockness Karen Gillan had her like none of them stood out more than the others in my memory overall even though I don't remember Karen Gillan's lines as much like I liked her scenes a lot you know yeah. Uh, no you're right this was definitely an ensemble I this mean, seemed very yeah. fairly distributed for good scenes there weren't many egos and i think that's what also worked it just feels like a yes! fun, generous yeah. movie like it's anti-fast yeah <laughs> the anti-fast. yeah the, the slow and mellow yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> do we uh, have any any uh plugs oh wait um I just want to get something out real quick. Robert Lamb, the guy that we teamed up with Shark Dropper Studios, he just started a thing called Seven Lambs Productions, where he has about seven fiction podcasts. If you go on Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, iTunes, you can find it. Just type in Seven Lambs. Uh, Creative Loafing just wrote about him. He's just hustling. He's writing, writing, writing. He's getting a lot of people to record and he also, you know, we're part of that crew. So if you get a, a chance, if you want to listen to some really good fictional podcasts, Doppel Avenue Hurt, Doppel Avenue Hurt uh, various other shows, horror podcasts, he also walked across the United States where he's talking about that. So give it a chance, Robert Lamb, if you see him on Blog Talk Radio or iTunes. And also, if you get a chance, please rate, review, subscribe to our pod. We've had people do it recently, so thank you very much. But if you're ever bored, you're sitting there and you're on your phone right now, just please pop it up and uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, so I would like to so – I've mentioned this podcast a lot, The Last Knock. Uh, it, it's Crash Palace is how you can find them on Twitter. So I listen to them just regularly. It's a horror podcast that I like, and I was listening – and they happen to be doing their best horror of 2017. And I always enjoy how Billy Crash and Johnny Numb both go back and forth. And it's a lot like us sometimes with like how one of us can really love a movie and the other won't. Or one of us will be like, I see how it's a good film, but I don't need to see this again. And the other will just love it and adore it and can't wait to see what the person does next. They have a, they, they, they have a dynamic that oddly – seems to mirror ours, and I like that. And then, lo and behold, in the very end, I heard Billy Crash yet again giving us a plug, and he cannot say movies, films, and flicks without having to stop and think about it. For some reason, it's always got a glitch in his head. But thanks to them, and also, um, I was listening to The Schlocker Not. They were doing their Christmas episode lately, and they apparently have a mission statement, and I provided them with some Mad Lib villains for their mission statement, and they read some goofy lines about gremlins in their mission statement that I gave them and uh, very happily gave us um, uh, both of our Twitter accounts. I like it when they do that because it lets me know that they really know us. Um, and they were commenting about us and our podcast as well. And I always like the schlock or not. Um, that's just – I just always listen to these horror podcasts. It's how I pass my time when I play with bugs in my office. Um but that's what I got. I got a. Uh, I got two fellow podcasts. Nice. Well, this was fun, man. Yes. Yeah, so um, again. Podcasters, We love hearing from you guys, too, that we listen to, if you listen to us. But um listener questions, folks. If you're listening right now, we gave you some listener questions. We gave you a mailbag submission, as I was calling it. So if you're listening, you have some things that you just want to go off about on a movie. You can give us a mailbag submission. You have some silly questions about Monster Island. You can fire them our way, too. We love answering them, and we love that you listen. All right, guys. So for me – And John Levingood, this is Movies, Films, and Flicks. We'll see you next week. Cheers.